that you would touch heavy hearts. That you would lift and encourage. That you would help us to focus on you, Father. Not not the struggles that, that we face daily. But help us to lay ourselves at your feet. Give peace, Father. Give comfort. Give encouragement to those that have heavy hearts today. Let them feel your presence and know your love, Father. And as we come into your word, so much of this last song applies. Help us to be more like you, Father. May we allow your Word to saturate our hearts. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Open God's words with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, continuing in chapter 14 today. As we went through chapter 13, we discovered that the persecution that the the apostles encountered and the disciples encountered was primarily from within the church. It started there, and it started because of jealousy. As God's word was preached, Jews and Gentiles alike believed and wanted to be followers of Jesus, which meant that they were no longer going to be followers of the temple or followers of the law because we know that Jesus fulfilled the, and he fulfilled the, and then we know that he fulfilled prophecy as well. But the, 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 the I'm looking for the right adjective here. The staunch Jews wanted to stay under the law. Because that's all they had known for thousands of years. A couple thousand. And, and, and that's what... They believe, and, and, and although the prophets told them to look for the Messiah, and, and supposedly they were looking for the Messiah when the Messiah came, and they were told, even by John the Baptist, that the one that's coming immediately after me is, is the one we've been waiting for. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't believe. And now this, this Jesus that died, and was, that, they, that they murdered, and, and, but, but God, remember, 
verse 30 of chapter 13, but God raised him from the dead, and he is alive. And this is what Paul and Barnabas are teaching in the the synagogue in Antioch, and they, they get run out because the Jews are jealous because they got a bigger crowd coming to hear them preach than that normally came to the temple. If there's ever, and there are, there are much larger churches than ours, and we certainly should not be jealous of them if, if they are preaching the word of God, if they are teaching Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, and it's only in his name that we can get to heaven is because of what he's done for us. We should be praising God that God is using that church to spread the gospel as long as they're preaching the truth. We should not be jealous. These guys were, and they ran, they ran Paul and Barnabas right out of Antioch. And, and, and things didn't get any better in Iconium. Okay, the Iconium, or Antioch, have we got our map, Stephen? I know it's... We know that after they were on Cyprus, they came over, they landed here at Italia, climbed the mountain to Perga, and then went up about 100 miles north to Antioch. Now we've got, they're going to go about 95 miles east to Iconium. And then last week we found that they were ran out of Iconium, so they're, they're in Lystra and Derby. They're going to be in Lystra and Derby. Today we're going to talk mostly about their time in Lystra. But again, in Iconium, last week we looked at verses, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. And, and with the exception of verse 3, the, the rest of that section is telling us that, that the Jews, are, again, are jealous that it's divisive. And we talked about how the word of God is divisive. He didn't come to bring peace, but he came with a sword. And the sword is the word of God. And he came to, to cause, cause a division between light and darkness, between truth and lies, between God and Satan. That there, there is a divide. It should be divisive. It, it is Something that needs to be divided. Because when we try to merge them together and water down the scriptures, it's not truth. And so it's one thing that, that Paul and Barnabas made very sure of, and, and we'll see again today, that, that they wanted God's name to be proclaimed, not their own. But verse 3 in that section says, Therefore they spent a long time there, this is in Iconium, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who is bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. They were totally throwing themselves upon the Lord. They were reliant on him for their strength, for their guidance, for their direction. Remember when they, when they left uh, the home Antioch, not, not this Antioch, but the home Antioch over here, they did so at the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. They were, they were fasting and praying and, and, and doing the ministry of the work at the church in, in Antioch. And when they were, when they were in, a, in a state where they were, their hearts were right and prepared, the Holy Spirit said, send them. Didn't, didn't, didn't give a long list of the itinerary or where they were to go, exactly what they were supposed to. He didn't give sermon outlines. Yeah, I'm sure he did as they went. 
But the church there sent them, so they went. Last week we looked in, in, in Colossians, and I'll make reference to it again probably later if I remember, that, that it was by God's grace that our hearts are prepared for salvation. It's by God's grace that, that he opens that door to us. And, and as they ministered there, they, in, in that verse 3 there again, it says they were bearing witness to the word of his grace. And there they continued at the, at the end of verse 7. After they were run out of there, there there's, there's word coming that they're, they're getting a group of people together to come and stone Paul and Barnabas. They're going to murder them. Verse 6, they became aware of it and they left. And they got to uh, Lystra and Derby. Well, first they went to Lystra and, and they continued to preach the gospel. That's what their commission was. And we talked about them being, uh, what was the, the phrase? I got it here somewhere. Compulsively, there we go. Com- they were compulsively addicted to preaching. Compulsively addicted to preaching. If you're going to be addicted to something, that's a good thing to be addicted to. Peter, Peter and John, and, and uh, I think it's Acts 4.20, talked about how they, they were in front of the Sanhedrin. They said, we can't help ourselves. It's, it's impossible for us to stop talking about what we have seen and heard. We, we can't help ourselves. We must preach the gospel. And Paul and Barnabas are practicing that here. Wherever they go, they're preaching the gospel. They're about the work of the ministry about the work of the Lord. Just to, to, to tell where we're going here is, is Antioch was, was the largest city on this missions trip, and Iconium was, was a little further away from the center of everything, although today that town is the fourth largest in Turkey. There, there, there were Jewish synagogues in Antioch and Iconium, but when you get to Lystra and Derby, there's no Jewish synagogues there. You're, you're getting to the, the outback. You're, you're getting to the back 40, as we'd say, or, or there's nothing there, okay? They, they'd be the last town to get a 7-Eleven, let alone a Walmart, okay? They're, they're just way out there. And so the, the, the scholars tell us that the people in, in Lystra were pretty much uneducated, um, and they, they tended to be gullible. And so that they would, they would listen to things. And remember that because we'll come back later. There's a reason I mentioned that. But in Lystra, we have no Jewish synagogue. So, so there's, no, there, there's not that type of background of the, of the religious education and training. Okay, So understand these people's mindsets uh, as, as we approach the next section today. We're going to try to cover verses 8 to 18 in Acts chapter 14. Let's begin in verse 8. And at Lystra, there was sitting a certain man without strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leapt up and began, or he leaped up and began to walk. Keep your finger here. Flip back to Acts chapter 3, if you would. 
We're going to draw some comparisons here. Peter and John were headed to the temple. Verse 2 says there's a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb, was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms, and Peter, along with John, okay, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What an exciting moment that must have been for that man. Lame from birth, never able to walk. As we go back to chapter 14, we see the same thing. This man did not walk from birth. As as I mentioned before, as, as these men were born physical cripples, we were all born spiritual cripples. We were all born sinners, not having a relationship with God, not having a relationship with Christ. Every one of us, we were all in the same boat. But God, through his grace, made a plan. He made a plan for each one of us. I'm trying to look where it was because it talked about that in our song today, our last one. Talk, talk, just, just mention that God has a plan for us. He's got a plan for each and every one, a purpose for us to accomplish. One, one thing to point out. Not, not one of the commentators, and I read, I, I read every week, I study seven different commentaries as I prepare for the message. Not one of them addressed this, so I don't know if that means I'm really stupid and should just know better. Or there, there are some things that you can assume, but there are other things that I, I, I'm sorry. I just scratch my head and I say, I don't get it. In chapter 3, Peter said, get up and walk in the name of Christ the Nazarene. In here, Paul just says, stand upright on your feet. He does not invoke the name of Jesus. And I don't know why. And it may or may not have anything to do with what happens in the next few verses. But there, there, in, in, in my studying and, and reading and trying to understand and asking for wisdom... I, I, I can't help but think that it has something to do with what happens. But he's, he, he just says, and he, and he said in a loud voice, um, and, and because he wanted to get the attention of people around, I understand that. They, they were, it says in verse 3, that they were reliant upon the Lord for everything. So they weren't trying to do this in their own names. They, they, weren't, they, they knew they could not heal this man in their own power. 
that that power was going to come from the Holy Spirit to heal him. But I don't understand why he didn't say in the name of Jesus Christ, stand upright on your feet. But he didn't, for whatever reason. We'll, get, we'll, we'll come back to that very soon. Now, I, I like using a map. I, I learned visually. I, I like pictures. Um, they, they help me to understand. I don't know if it's a spatial thing or whatever, but I know different people learn in different ways. And, and I'm going to tell a little history lesson here. And, and the focus is not on the history lesson, but that, you would, that, that there would be a little bit of understanding uh, the perspective of these people. Because we know that in, in, in Lister that there was not a, there was not a synagogue. Uh, there was not any higher education. Uh, the people were considered gullible and, and unlearned. Okay, But 50 years previous to this, and this just gives a little background... Fifty years pre- previous to this, there was a Latin poet who, in his poem called The Metamorphosis, told about an ancient legend that occurred in this area. In this area, the gods Jupiter, okay, if you'll look in verse 12, it talks about Zeus and Hermes. They're also, in the Latin, Zeus is Jupiter and Hermes is Mercurius or Mercury. Okay, but according to this legend, these two gods came out, and in, 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 uh, Jupiter is the father of Mercury, according to that stuff. Um, these two guys came in human form to this region, and they, they wanted to see how they would be received in human form, and place oh they said the the legend says that they went to over a thousand different homes and everywhere they were rejected and finally they came to this home of this very old couple and in their house was just reeds and and weeds put together and straw thatch whatever They, they they weren't on the wealthy side of life okay they were an old couple in a old rundown nothing you know what it was just rough. And this couple welcomed them in, gave them a place to stay and fed them. So these, these two gods blessed them with, with material things. And over time, they went back and destroyed all the thousands of the homes of the people that did not accept them and, and did not show hospitality to them. And that was their judgment for not accepting they were understanding that they were that they were humans but supposedly they were according to the legend they were gods in human form it kind of sounds like somebody's copying somebody here but um anyhow so these people are of this mindset that when they see this miracle that is done this man born from or, or lame crippled from birth that he leaps up and he walks. Paul and Barnabas must be gods. Because only gods could accomplish this, right? So, so that they don't have the th- same thing happen to them that happened to these people 50 years ago when this legend was made up. They want to worship them. They want to give them the glory that they think that if they're gods that they should deserve and that they should have. 
And so they want to worship Paul and Barnabas. Read in verse 11. When the multitude saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the local dialect, the local language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought the oxen and garlands to the gates. And they wanted to sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you in order that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. Now, it took and part of the hesitation there or whatever was, was the translation, okay? They, Paul and Barnabas didn't know the local language. But when they saw the priest bringing the oxen in, in, the oxen in and the garland in to lay a sacrifice... They started putting two and two together and saying, no, no, guys, don't do this. Remember Peter in chapter 10 when he went to Cornelius. When he he came to Cornelius' house, Cornelius bowed before him. Peter said, dude, stand up. I'm I'm a man just like you. Do not worship me. You need to worship the living God. Don't worship me. And so that they were they were totally prepared to not accept. This, this, this worship, they didn't want it because they knew it was not for them. They knew that it should be given and pointed to God. This worship should be for the living God, the Holy One. And again, I, I, I wonder in my heart, I wonder if, and maybe it wouldn't have, but if in verse 10, Paul had said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, or some phrase, but using the name of Jesus there, stand upright on your feet. If, if that would have made a difference to the way the people were saying that. In other words, in, in, in the healing process, Paul would have been giving the honor to the right place right from the start. Perhaps that would have made a difference. Maybe not. I don't know. But that, that, that's just that one question that I still have in my head after studying. I, I don't know. But maybe not because the people there were, were what we call polytheists. They believed in many gods. And, and there's other examples of in, in the, the church in Rome that they would have, they, the, the Romans were very accepting of any and all gods. And so if they conquered a land, they would let you to continue to worship your God. They would just make a room in their, their temples or whatever for a place so that you could set a statue of your God there. So that you would be, your God would be seen with all the other gods around and, and they'd be worshipped with all the other gods. What we see in, in the next few verses here when Paul uh, gets their attention and, and they, they actually stop, barely, but they stop in their, in their giving of sacrifice and trying to honor Paul and Barnabas. At the end of verse 15, he, he has a short sermon here, and, and, and it may have been longer than this, but Luke doesn't recall, record the whole, the whole sermon, but he, he tells us and shows us the important stuff here. 
end of verse 15, talking about uh, that they should turn from these vain things to a living God. What, what, what do we say is, is repentance? A turning. And we, we had it in VBS last summer. The theme was turning. Turning away from the world. Turning to God. And, that, and that's what we need to do in our lives. That's what repentance is in our lives. Is turning away from sin and turning back to God. In in. Paul is saying here, in order that you should turn from the vain things, the idols, um, Zeus and Hermes, or Jupiter and Mercury, turn from these vain things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. He, he, He wants them to understand that there is one God, there is an omnipotent God, and although they have all these different gods that that worship different parts of creation. He says, don't worship these vain gods. Worship the one true God that made all of that creation. The God that is the God that is the creator. Think back a couple weeks ago, told the story about Jeremy Camp and and his wife. And and she had a love of um, astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy, of of looking at the stars. And the one thing that amazed her, and I I know I get it from, I I remember that um, as well, Lou Giglio when, when he is, we've watched one of his videos talking about the, the incredible vastness of God. But Jeremy Camp's wife said, if the, the God that created billions of galaxies and trillions and trillions of stars knows my name. And he knows your name. And what a great God. And Paul says to these people, guys... The, the, these that you worship are false gods, but I'll tell you about the God that created everything that you are saying these guys run and operate. The stars in the universe. There is one God. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is God. He is the one you should worship. Stop worshiping these vain dead stones, these dead rocks, these dead ideas, and worship the one true God. Verse 16, and in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. It's God that gives the rain. It's the one true God, the living God, the omnipotent God, not all these stone gods that you serve, but there is one God that gives you rain from heaven and gives you fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even saying these things, they with difficulty restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. And again, I wonder, instead of saying, stand upright on your feet, if Paul had said, in the name of Jesus Christ, or uh, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Almighty God, stand up on your feet, if, if that would have curtailed some of that, maybe not. Because of their legend, they were so superstitious into that, that maybe they'd have gone there anyhow. But Paul and Barnabas were very quick not to accept the glory to themselves. Because they knew it wasn't theirs to receive. That glory belongs to God. We notice to just in last week we talked about an effective church planning the first step was to preach the word 
One, one of the things that we see Paul doing here as he preaches the word, he had a little different message and approach when he's in the little backwater, backside of the mountain town of Lystra than he did when he was in Antioch or Iconium where they had synagogues and, and the people knew the Old Testament. And he, would, he started with, when he preached to them in chapter 13, he, he started with the Old Testament. Remember the, the 13 active verbs that we talked about that God did for them? as well as putting up with them while they were in the desert. That will always be my favorite in, the, in that section. All the, all the things that God did for him. He chose their fathers. He made the people great. He led them from it. He put up with them. He destroyed seven nations. He distributed the land. He gave. He gave. He removed. He raised. He found. He brought. He was a very active God in their lives. And that's how he began when he was in the big city with the synagogue to the Jewish people. But when he gets out here to the more of a rural farming community in, in Lystra, he changes his approach. He doesn't change the message. The message is the same, is that there's one God and that he qualifies us because of his grace. He qualifies us for salvation, Colossians 1. But he came about it differently. He, he, these people were steeped in, in worshiping different gods. And that's where he approached them. And he says, you, you, you worship Jupiter and, and Mercury. And he says, I want to tell you about a God that created everything that, that you are giving these guys credit for. I want to tell you about the one true God. The God that has a plan for your life. The God that, that loves you. He knows your name. And he has a plan for you. This is the God that you need to worship. Don't worship us. Don't worship Paul and Barnabas. But worship the one true God. The omnipotent God. Repent. Turn to God. Turn away from sin. Turn away from false gods. Turn to the one true God and worship Him. An idol is a cheat and a counterfeit. And Satan would use those things in our lives. We, we see uh, in in the end of chapter 13 and even 14 we'll see again here later in 13 in verses 19 and 20 that Satan is trying to use persecution to keep the gospel from being spread and that didn't work that wasn't working so he tried the other way he says well let's get the people to worship these guys and, and maybe that'll destroy their ministry if we can get them to accept the glory to themselves Paul and Barnabas According to verse 3, they spoke boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting the signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Turn to God. Turn away from Satan. Are there, are there idols that we have in our lives? They're cheap counterfeits. They would cheat us. 
from our relationship with God. They, they, Satan uses them to deceive us into thinking that they have value, that they're important. Sometimes it can even be family. Did he really just say that? Yeah. God can use family. Or excuse me, God can use family, yes. But Satan can use family to to put our focus on them more than on him. And family is important. God gave them to us. He designed it that way. But we need to keep him as the omnipotent God. As, as Paul wanted these people to understand that he, there is only one true God. And he is over the realm of these other gods that you think they're in control of. God created that. He created that in his vastness and, and among the billions of galaxies and the trillions of stars, he knows your name. Let's pray. Father, give us the strength to make you the center of our lives. Help us not to worship or idolize things that are other than you. Be it monetary things, be it possessions, be it family your relationships. Father, help us to be totally reliant on you. Thank you for your means of salvation. Thank you that by example, Paul and Barnabas stayed true to you and would not accept the glory for your work and done in your power. Father, as we go through this week, help us to seek after the plan that you have for our lives. Help us to turn from idols and sin to God, that we would be totally reliant upon you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for faithful men that followed the direction of the Holy Spirit and went to take your gospel to the world. Father, give us the courage to take it to the world that we live in. That we must speak truth. We can live it, we can show it, and people can say, oh, Joe's a good good guy. But Father, we need to share why. If there's any good in us, it's because of you, but we need to share that it is Jesus Christ in us and not us in us. Thank you for this day, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.